we as merchants and as platforms that provide solutions for merchants have to help our merchants and brands meet their customers where they are. And they're spending their time on various different digital platforms. And we need to give them the opportunity to buy what they want, when they want it. And they need to be able to answer questions. Is this the product I want? Is it available near me? How much will it cost? And when will it get here? You are listening to the Meta Business Innovation and Technology Podcast. If you want to learn from industry leaders about new trends and products that can grow your business, then this is the podcast for you. Today, we have a very special episode, and I'm joined by Sharon Gee, Vice President of Revenue Growth at Omnichannel at Big Commerce, along with Varun Puri, Director of Commerce within Business Engineering at Meta. Today, we're going to be diving into the topic of e-commerce, which has been a really hot subject all throughout the pandemic. In this episode, we talk through about how a retail brand can scale its footprint with our industry experts and what kind of challenges brands can face along the way and what the opportunities are for growth as well. So Sharon, Varun, tell us a bit about yourself and why you're passionate about working in the industry before we dive into it in some more detail. And Varun, you know, I'd love to hear from you first. I support Commerce Business Engineering at Meta. We are a team of business savvy engineers that help brands and partners accelerate commerce on Meta platforms. I'm passionate about helping companies make it easier for people to discover and purchase products they want from the brands and creators they love. Because commerce, at the heart of it, is a foundational human activity and a cornerstone of building community. Awesome. And welcome to the podcast. And Sharon, tell us a little about yourself. I lead the Omnichannel Technology Partnerships Practice at Big Commerce, which is an e-commerce platform for merchants of every stage of growth. And what that means is that I have the exciting opportunity to work with a group of business development, partner management, and omnichannel consulting experts who help merchants scale their omnichannel strategies globally across many different channels. So whether it's ads or social commerce or marketplace channels, really understanding the the imperative that we have now, which is we need to be able to sell everywhere our shoppers are. It creates some really fun opportunities and challenges to overcome in partnership with agencies, technology partners, and merchants as they look to grow their business online. Welcome to the podcast. And so let's jump straight in. And I'd love Varun to go actually back to your time before Meta, in a sense. And previously, in your previous role, you oversaw Michaels.com and their tremendous growth in in online sales over the four years that you were working with them. And so what would be some of the key insights that you could share, which, which helped led to that drastic growth? I think first and foremost, getting the basics right is very important. And I still see some brands that have challenges in getting the basics right. So foundational systems for commerce, for order management system, PIM, which is product information management, CRM, customer care, and basic expectations of customers nowadays, which is buy online, pick up in store. Meeting customers where they are, online, in store, and in the mobile app is very, very important. Second is data-driven decision-making. So knowing your customer, understanding what they want, and then filling those needs. Super important. Personalization of content, products, and how to communicate to customers is very, very important. Third, being agile is is very important. Meeting customers, changing needs. So things like curbside, same-day delivery, that became very relevant during the pandemic. Next is focusing on done is better than perfect. For example, when during the pandemic, stores shut down and we saw a need of 
filling these orders from customers, we activated curbside pickup in the store at a very fast pace within days versus months. And we didn't focus on getting it perfect. So we didn't have all the features like you can now check in your mobile app that you're here in the store. We basically made it very simple. You arrive at Michael's location, pick up the phone and call that number and somebody will physically bring the order out to you. So done is better than being perfect. Last but not the least is investing in the future. While we can't foresee the future, we can be better prepared by embracing it. So new, always staying on top of new technologies like social commerce, in-store sell checkout, and trying new things. And so Sharon, like, like yourself, you have a background deep in omnichannel and really now looking at how you grow the revenue of the businesses that, that work with the, your platform. And so how critical is having a proper commerce strategy for a business and when, when they are really looking to grow to those sort of that next level? An omnichannel strategy isn't a nice to have. It's a must have. It's an imperative in a post-COVID world where all the eyeballs in the past two years went online. And that maturity around utilization of technology in order to find what you're looking for isn't going backwards, right? And so in 2020, we saw 10 years worth of e-commerce growth in just three months. And so with the 238 million shoppers that are now online, we have we as merchants and as platforms that provide solutions for merchants have to help our merchants and, and brands meet their customers where they are. And they're spending their time on various different digital platforms. And we need to give them the opportunity to buy what they want when they want it. And they need to be able to answer questions. Is this the product I want? Is it available near me? How much will it cost? And when will it get here? And the, that opportunity to be able to surface information to these channels in order to help merchants create a channel strategy that allows them to, to put their products to be available to be discovered on the various different channels that their community and their ecosystem of buyers actually spends time in is really critical and exciting. Because that digital commerce strategy that spans an owned direct-to-consumer or a B2B site that might be powered by an e-commerce platform like BigCommerce, all the way through the third-party channels that you're sending and syndicating that product data to either drive, like Google, where you're driving traffic back to your direct-to-consumer site, or on third-party uh, channels where the checkout might happen on the channel, like a typical marketplace channel like Amazon or eBay or Walmart, or these kind of new discovery and community social commerce channels where it's a much more fluid, integrated experience where you might be experiencing creative content that is tagged with a product that you can click into, see, and buy, right, with a one-click checkout experience. So there's new digital channels in marketplaces and social commerce, and we're really seeing a merge of ads channels becoming marketplaces at offering ads features. And so there's a number of different opportunities to reach new audiences to sell more. And that's the goal, sell more everywhere. And so whether that's launching a new digital channel that might have not unproven ROAS, but that's where the opportunity around outsized ROI might come in social commerce, or whether it's exploring cross-border selling because you have a, a community of avid buyers in a certain region that you're unlocking, whether it's targeting certain demographics like Gen Z within social commerce or mobile shoppers, or the ability to leverage uh, valuable first-party customer data to better inform business decisions. These are all things that kind of lean into helping merchants and brands develop a unified omnichannel strategy. And we find that investing in a flexible platform that allows businesses to accomplish all of these goals, no matter is critical in kind of this ever-changing e-commerce space in order to be able to help their businesses grow. You listed off a whole bunch of things there that some people who are just starting on that journey of e-commerce or are a couple of uh, a year or two in potentially given, as you say, the rapid acceleration of, of growth and that 10 years into three months, 
like it could seem quite overwhelming and, and challenging to understand okay like given everything you just described there like how do i actually get established here whether i'm a growing business or, or you're really trying to scale out and given all of the different things that could happen like what would be some of the big gotchas to watch out for as people take these first steps on some of these avenues that they may not have done before yeah, I love that question. I think we know what the goal is. It's to grow revenue across channels where your shoppers are. That's the goal, right? Those channels might be ads channels, social commerce or social marketplaces, or more typical marketplaces, or direct-to-consumer experiences, or in-store experiences, pop-up shops. You're growing revenue on your sales channels, whatever those are. The way to go to market on those channels is determined by how mature your business is and what kind of business you are. Brands need to identify kind of what their omnichannel strategy is at each stage of their growth. So for example, if you're a multi-brand retailer, that's very different than the strategy you might use if you're a digitally native vertical brand who historically has only started in digital and is starting to expand into physical or cross-border. Those strategies are different. And so some of the gotchas, like you said, to look out for is really... We urge at Big Commerce, we urge businesses to think about, you don't have to boil the ocean. You can think about it in a four pillar approach to success where you evaluate the full funnel of your omnichannel selling by breaking it down into four things. One, sales channels. Where should you be putting your product so that additional people can buy it? Should you list your product on Google because people are searching for it? Should you be advertising on social commerce channels because maybe you're in, maybe you sell a product that's in the beauty sector or the or home or fitness that lends itself really well to social marketing? Are you a B2B product that or a CPG business with a really, really large, you know, vendor central 1P business that is looking to go direct to consumer and launch a subscription business for the first time? These are the kind of things to think about. So number one, define what your sales channels are and where you should be listing your products based on where your shoppers are. Two, marketing. You have to have a marketing strategy on those sales channels. So are you just putting your product up there and expecting organic traffic? Or are you um, sending good product data that, to that channel so that you can rank really well in valid search results, but then you're going you're gonna to add some more fuel to, to the uh, conversion on that channel with advertising and spending in order to acquire more customers. So you have to have a marketing channel or a marketing strategy for each channel. So one, sales channels, two, marketing, three, you have to have operations, and four, you have to have fulfillment channels that support it. Hope is not a strategy when it comes to marketing. Putting it up there and hoping, it's, that's, not a, that's not an acceptable strategy here. Yeah, exactly. And so I think what's the most interesting thing is that every surface on the internet is now like a sales channel, right? You can send a product catalog and then do a one-click checkout with a wallet, and that's like considered a sales channel. And obviously, these, that's a really fun inflection point to be in where defining what sales channels you should be on how you should market on those channels and then build your business and strategy associated with that. It, and it requires some maturity on how do you surface the data that lives on that is required for somebody to make a purchase. And that includes product look like product data and location specific inventory. Is this product available? And is it near me? This is information you have to surface to the channel in order for somebody to say, yes, I will buy that. When will it be delivered to me? How much will it cost? These are normal questions. And so what we've really focused on is investing in our platform in a way that no matter your stage of growth, whether you're an SMB, you're just getting started, maybe you're expanding to a few new channels, or whether you're a global brand who is, is listing products in multiple different languages in multiple different regions across 100 plus channels, we have to provide the infrastructure that sends the relevant data from the inventory, the place the inventory is held to the channel. 
And so that's really what we've invested in is a scalable architecture that allows brands and merchants to use partners that whether it's a one-click integration or a, a native onboarding experience like we have with the meta team to make it possible in order to make that experience easy, no matter what stage of growth you're in. So there's a combination of merchant maturity and then also understanding and articulating that four pillar strategy around sales channels, marketing operations and fulfillment that really helps people get around the gotchas when you're transitioning from a small business to a medium to a large enterprise. I mean, when it comes to expanding e-commerce channel, I see there's like two fundamental things uh, that brands need to do. First is building trust in the company, the brand and the product. And the behavior that brands would want to drive is not one-time purchase, but repeat customers. So how do you build trust, right? Uh, making sure that you have reviews where people can look at the products and understand, okay, this is what I'm buying and building a trust. Partnering with people and creators that your customers trust is very important. And at the heart of it is customer obsession, understanding the customer's need, serving those needs, making sure that you have the right customer care practice where customers feel like they can rely on this brand and would want to come back for a repeat purchase. Second is today's customers' demands for buying products has increased. So today's customers' demand to buy products easily online, go pick it up in the store within hours, or the product to show up at their doorstep in a few days. This is kind of like table stakes now. Customers want that. So making sure that you have the right inventory available for especially items that are high velocity that customers would love and they want to buy. Make it easy for customers to order products, remove any friction from shopping experience. And there are some gotchas where within the funnel, you can actually see the leakage in the funnel where customers are bouncing from that checkout. So fine-tuning that, making sure that it's very easy for customers to complete the transaction. And then for this, for retailers, this also means making sure the supply chain is optimized to fill orders from the DC or a local store within a day or two. Both of you mentioned a whole bunch of things that, that are on the table, in a sense, in this space to, to be thought about, whether it's, as you say, creators, different demographics, cross-border selling, new digital channels. There is a whole heap of opportunity available for people who are focused on e-commerce right now. And so, Varun, like, what is the biggest growth opportunity that you think is there in e-commerce right now that people should be thinking about if they're not already? Assuming that the basics of e-commerce are there, meaning you have the right e-commerce engine, you have the right auto management system, you have the right CRM, all of those are there. The growth opportunities that I see are marketplaces, especially that tie directly to social channels, enabling new ways to engage with customers like drops or live shopping. Then you know, new and faster fulfillment options like same day delivery. You buy a product, within a couple of hours, it shows up at your doorstep. New experiences like virtual try-ons, especially relevant for retailers that are focused on the, in the apparel space, where you can actually take a picture of yours and then visualize how, on how that product would look on you. And then, of course, the personalization aspect of it. Customers don't want to see products that are not relevant to them. So personalizing the content and products for those customers is very important. Yeah, I think some of the biggest growth opportunities really is in, so we've talked a lot about omnichannel and the focus that we have there where 
technology is caught up, right? The large platforms with large engineering teams are releasing amazing new features every day because more eyeballs than ever are online. And in this privacy ecosystem that we live in, which we, which is awesome. But what it does mean is that there's this experience that keeping and delivering on omnichannel shopper expectations within the experience that they're in is becoming really important in order to deliver a seamless omnichannel uh, experience. And so that's really where the opportunity is. How can you, as a brand or a merchant, make sure that you're ensuring that every interaction that a shopper has with your product is no matter what channel it is, is a seamless one. So are you sending the right product data that allows somebody when they're searching on Google or when they're uh, scrolling through Instagram or experiencing a video that has a product that's tagged in it? How are you making sure that interaction has all of the product data that is required? And that, that requires investment in the product catalogs that you're sending and syndicating to the channel. It also means that there's opportunity to take advance, advantage of things like a seamless checkout within certain experiences. And so really determining what the channel strategy is to know where the loyal shoppers are. And as Varun said, making sure that you're really optimizing for long-term customer lifetime value as opposed to one, one-time purchasers is really gonna be important. And then investing in the infrastructure to get there is gonna be critical as part of the opportunity. Um, We've talked a lot about what omni-channel shoppers are interested in understanding. And if every, in every service, if we interact with how like commerce is essentially becoming more ubiquitous across every single interaction that we have, whether it's in ads or social or on, on all of those experiences, it's merchants job to make sure that that quality data is being surfaced to the channel so someone can make a choice. We see a huge opportunity in social commerce this year. U U.S. social commerce sales are projected to grow 25% year over year. We've got a, an example of a merchant, Magnolia Boutique, who increased their average order value on social media by over 30%, which is more than their site average. Um, we think that there's big opportunities around live streaming, product tag posts, interactions with an engaged community. There's a lot of loyalty and authenticity in an ecosystem of people who are advocating for your product in the way that they kind of influence our marketing and creative zeitgeist is coming to be. And so by expanding reach across channels with a cohesive omnichannel strategy that integrates meeting customers where they are and making sure they're, you're delivering that product data to them, I would say that's the largest opportunity that brands and merchants can take advantage of now because the platforms have caught up. They have, they want to receive the information in order to be able to deliver shopper experiences that keep a shopper there. And so brands and merchants just need to avail themselves of the, the features that, that the platforms are rolling out in order to create that, those seamless experiences. And so one of the points you mentioned there, I think is really worth going into a bit more detail on. And that's the point of privacy. Like the privacy topic is something that we've discussed multiple times throughout this podcast in many episodes and really it, it if you're in e-commerce it's going to impact your business one way or another and you know, we've mentioned about some of the technologies that meta has in place and if Arun, i'd love for you to, to talk a little bit more about with all of these changes that that are happening in whether it's to do with privacy or you know cookie laws or the various regulations that are coming in in various parts of the world like how should brands be thinking about how they future-proof themselves in this very fast and, and rapidly changing landscape where what used to be the textbook way of doing things is no longer even possible? Yeah, this is a very rapidly and fast-paced changing environment. So staying on top of new technologies and adopting those new technologies is very important for the brand. So things like CAPI, Conversion API, or PETS, Performance, Privacy-enhancing technologies is very important. The other important aspect is for brands to understand that they need to nurture customer data and understand that they are now responsible for it. 
So anything that they can do to better understand their customers through data, they should do because it'll be very hard for other companies to offer that as a service. And then how do they protect this data? Become more data savvy to learn how to treat the data that is using data science and other tools and then leverage it with privacy enhancing technologies. Yeah, I love this topic because we all are excited about living in a world where privacy and ad efficacy can coexist, right? But what that means is that there's some responsibility that transitions to different folks around how they use that data. And I think Vern did a great job of articulating that. So for example, big commerce's relationship with Meta and the integration that we have, it does a number of things for merchants. It allows you to sync your catalog. It allows you to place pixel as well as we've built to the conversions API as well so that for merchants and shoppers who have elected to share their data, that data handshake around awareness of who your shoppers are it can certainly be supported. But I think that one of the other things that we're doing is you can't have an omnichannel strategy without an omnichannel data strategy. You're learning things about your shoppers and they behave differently on different channels. And so your infrastructure, your e-commerce platform, your systems that manage your omnichannel technology channel strategy, they need to be able to bring data in, harmonize it, and then get data out into a system that you're using. So whether, for example, we've got a free integration into data warehouses that allow merchants to take that data into a warehouse and then put it into whatever visualization tools that they're using so that they can feed it back into their systems for forecasting and cross-channel analytics, et cetera. And so I think really understanding that an omnichannel strategy and, a da- and an omnichannel data strategy are two sides of a black and white cookie is really important so that when you're contemplating, how do you take advantage of the first party data you have and then marry it up with the, with the segmentation or the targeting capabilities that the platforms have, that's gonna be more important than ever as we move into a kind of this privacy ecosystem as things continue to change and evolve. Yeah, and I just feel that we're, we are at this really interesting point in time where you have a number of shifts happening both within the industry, within consumer expectations and behavior, and within the technology space as well. And so with all these three things rapidly evolving you know, as we speak, I'm going to put you on the spot and making predictions is difficult, especially about the future, which is a really good quote that I like to reference. But I'm going to put you on the spot and ask, in sort of the five to 10 years, which is a, you know, a really long time frame away, and given how rapidly things are evolving, like, where do you think e-commerce will evolve to? And what do you think brands could be doing on that journey to, to really stay ahead of the game? I think technology is moving very, very quickly. I think that the large platforms have invested very significant engineering effort in releasing new features. And now what's actually interesting is that there's a delta between what the platforms have released and the inertia that it takes for people and brands and merchants to adopt it. That's a really exciting time if you're in the agency world. So I've sat on both platform and agency and third-party order management operations technology teams. And that's very exciting because that inertia to adopt means People have to change the way that they're doing things. So I think we're going to see a really significant amount of change in operating teams that execute omnichannel growth strategies over the course of the next five to 10 years. So the teams that are building and managing this aren't going to look like a first party vendor team and a a direct to consumer group that only manages your e-com and maybe your third party marketplace site. Those have to marry if you're going to be doing things like buy online on my direct-to-consumer site and pick up in-store with inventory that sits at my at my distributor, as an example, uh, and vice versa. Buy on a marketplace and then fulfill from your own POS location. Those are experiences that have to cross. So we're going to see the teams change. I think we're going to also see at this inflection point, we're going to see an integration of a lot of these channels. There's no such thing as ads and marketplace channels anymore. They're all just channels because they all have the opportunity 
to create experiences where people discover products and then have the ability to check out directly within that experience, whether it is natively built by that platform or whether it's a one-click checkout experience that's offered by a wallet, which of course there are many in the, in the ecosystem. I think we're going to continue to see an integration of that. And the focus is really going to be on seamless omni-channel shopper experiences across channels, both physical channels and digital channels. So we're going to see a lot of that in the digital goods space. So the so everything that we're seeing now in with real inventory that has to be shipped, you're going to see kind of a really interesting mirror of that, obviously, in the digital sphere as we enter Web3 and kind of the metaverse, I think. I think it's going to be even more important than ever for quality catalog data, pricing and availability and delivery time to align with the expectations that a, that a shopper has around what what they will accept in order to buy something. So overall, reduction of friction in shopping is going to be a really, really, really improved thing that happens over the course of the next five to 10 years. So think one-click checkout, think one-hour delivery in Uber, think seamless live stream shopping where after you buy from the live stream, somebody shows up with that product very close to you within an hour. I also think pre-integrated solutions are going to really accelerate the digital innovation. So the platforms working with the platforms to make the API integrations easy is going to speed everything up very quickly. And so I think we'll continue to see the data that historically has lived in disparate systems more easily flowing across different platforms. And we're already seeing that with integrations between like e-commerce platforms and social commerce platforms like Meta's family of apps in order to deliver those kind of very seamless shopper experiences and the rapidly evolving trends around social commerce and the various different methodologies and kind of experiences that that social commerce has kind of been able to roll out in the past in the past year because shopping looks very different even than it did a year ago. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And and Verona, yeah, I'd love to get your take on your prediction of the future and where you think things could evolve in the next five to ten years. Yeah, I love this topic because this gets me really excited about the future of commerce and how it will evolve. Um, in the next five to ten years, I would imagine the lines between content and commerce are going to get blurred. And brands can stay ahead of, ahead of this by investing in areas like, you know, creators, discovery commerce, setting up shops on Instagram and Facebook. And second is short form video is here to stay. So start investing in reels, if not already. And third, metaverse will be very relevant in five to 10 years. So thinking about digital goods is going to be very important. I'm very excited just to see what happens. Everyone can imagine what the first experience will be like because you take what you currently do and you just transfer it to the new medium, like taking the yellow pages and, and putting it on the internet. But then it's all the exciting things that are possible with the new technology that we can try and predict. But I imagine most of us will be wildly far away from what, from where it all actually nets out in you know, 10 years' time. But before we finish for today, as we are nearly coming up to the time that we have, if you had to leave the audience with one key thing that they should start doing today that if they're not already doing that will help them on this journey like what would be that one key thing to focus on to really set themselves up for success as they you know begin to think about this space in a bit more detail and so verona i'd love to start with you yeah i would always go back to foundations make sure that you have the foundational elements of commerce right make sure that you have the right commerce platform make sure you have the right auto management system so all of those things i think there's a need of focusing on that so that that becomes the foundation where you build on additional capabilities additional marketplaces all of those things on top so getting the foundation right is very important what my recommendation would be with how fast things are changing, you need flexibility. And so choosing a platform that has a, 
an approach of best of breed where you can swap in and out the tools as you grow is really, really important around being able to pivot towards what your success is. The other thing that I would say is you should evaluate where you want to be and then choose technologies that have pre-integrated solutions into those capabilities or the ability to very easily add integrations because that's really where dev timelines and go-to-market delays, right? Is when there's not a handshake happening between the systems and you have to build something custom in order to make something work. So identifying the strategy and then working with the tools that that allow you to execute on that strategy without additional lift on your side, I think is is great because then the, the brands can focus on what is core that makes their brand different as opposed to trying to build technology in order to plug holes because they have something custom instead of taking what what easily comes with the technologies where the handshakes already exist between the systems. So yeah, focusing on an agile technology stack that allows you to take advantage of the next opportunity as it comes, I think is going to be a really important thing to focus on. Well, Varun, Sharon, you know, thank you both very much for taking the time to talk to us today and sharing all the insights that you have. And that is all that we have time for. We hope you enjoyed this episode on scaling a retail brand's footprint in e-commerce. If you want to learn more about big commerce, head to bigcommerce.com slash DM slash meta dash podcast. You can also find that link as well as any resources discussed available in the show notes. Thank you for listening to the Meta Business Innovation and Technology Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to get notified whenever a new episode is released and help us share these insights with others by leaving a five-star review.